Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, my good friend and go-to guy for all things Mexican soccer, Pedro Arellano, talks about the upcoming Club America Tigres final and explains how you might choose your team in the most popular soccer league in the United States, Liga MX. If you like the story of Chivas, the fact that they only play Mexican players and that's kind of their tradition Mm -hmm. and they're seen as sort of the people's club, maybe you latch onto that. If you're more of a like a Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, Galactic Empire type of fan, then you want Club America. If you don't want to follow the the most popular teams because you don't want to be a bandwagon fan, you've got you know the teams and clubs in Monterrey, Santos, Pachuca, Toluca that that just play great soccer. All that and my thoughts on the latest in soccer coming up. This episode of Planet Football is brought to you by Mac Weldon. I just came back from the MLS Cup Final in Toronto where I survived some bitterly cold conditions wearing Mack Weldon gear the whole weekend. Whatever you're wearing right now, Mack Weldon is better. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be, I promise you, the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. They aren't just comfortable, Mack Weldon looks good and performs well too. It's good for everyday life, going to work, going on dates, and working out. All their products are naturally antimicrobial, which is a big word, but it means they eliminate odor. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code PLANET. Easy shopping, great customer service, good-looking, super comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, and hoodies. MacWeldon.com, 20% off using the promo code PLANET. All right, on with the show. Take one. Here we go with my three thoughts. First up, the 2016 MLS Cup Final. Seattle wins its first MLS championship on penalties over Toronto after a scoreless tie that, let's be honest, was not a good game at all. Seattle ends up winning despite having zero shots on goal. This won't be a game that anyone watches again on the DVR, but there was one moment of absolute brilliance. In extra time, Seattle goalkeeper Stefan Fry made the greatest high-stakes save in MLS history, denying Josie Altidore in his looping header that everyone thought was headed for the back of the net. Even bad games can have transcendent moments. Take two. Next up, FIFA president Johnny Infantino wants to expand the size of the Men's World Cup in 2026. His latest proposal is a 48-team World Cup with 16 groups of three teams with the top two finishers in each group advancing to a 32-team knockout stage. Johnny, don't do this. The World Cup is just fine at 32 teams. If you want to give more non-traditional teams a shot at qualifying, create more playoffs to get into the final 32, but don't add to the number. As we learned from the expansion of Euro 2016 from 16 to 24 teams, you can hurt a great thing by giving us too much of it. Johnny, don't do this. Take three. Finally, what's on my radar this week? Man City hosts Arsenal on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. This is a game that City needs three points from at home to stay within striking distance of the top of the league. City has been struggling. 
two straight league losses, suspensions to Sergio Aguero and Fernandinho, terrible defending. Pep Guardiola says he doesn't teach tackling and is going off on odd tangents in press conferences. Meanwhile, Arsenal has fought through a tough November and is clicking again. This is a huge opportunity for the Gunners to get a result and put some distance between them and the City heading into a busy part of the Premier League schedule. Now, my interview with Pedro Ariano. Our guest today is one of my favorite people in the soccer community and a good friend of mine. Pedro Ariano lives in Southern California. He is one of my go-to guys when I want to know what people are really thinking about Mexican soccer, whether it's the Mexican League or the Mexican national team. We go back a long ways, as we'll get into here in a second. Pedro follows U.S. soccer and MLS as well. He's a Chivas de Guadalajara fan and also a really funny guy, including on Twitter at Pedro Ariano, A-R-E-L-L-A-N-O, which is no pressure at all here, Pedro. Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome, Grant. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm, uh, I'm it, Clearly, you're running out of guests. Because uh, you're, you're, you're really digging the bottom of the barrel here with me. Not at all, my friend. In fact, uh, we first met probably way back in, I don't know if it was 06, around there, when you had a show called Stereo Goal uh, that I was a guest on. And it was one of the first times I had ever been interviewed in Spanish. And I was scared to death. And you made it a, a very positive experience. What do you remember from that first time we were on together on your show? It, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just to, to set some context, this back then this was a um, you know relatively unknown thing that me and a, and, and a few buddies were doing, um, and uh, the point was just to get together and talk about soccer because we did that all the time, anyways. And we we found this little you know public um, uh, radio station that gave us a shot, and we started doing the show and just. I started reaching out to some personalities, some media people, um, and I think I read an article where I saw that you spoke Spanish and had lived in Argentina for a while, and I figured I'm just going to write him because I, I read your stuff. Um, I'm just going to write him and see if he'll uh, he'll appear on the, on, on, on the show. Uh, and you did, and it was great. We had you on the show a few times. Um, and I always like to say that, you know, back then you were this, uh, unknown uh, college basketball writer, uh, and then a- a- right after being on Stereo Goal, you just blew up, became this <laughs> international celebrity. So I take a lot of credit for your success, my friend. It's all for you. All <laughs> thanks to you, my friend. Right. Um, and then we actually had a really cool experience. Uh, back in 2007, there was a magazine that was put out by Sports Illustrated in Spanish called Si Latino sadly no longer exists, but it was a really fun thing for me because uh, I did a lot of stories on Mexican soccer, uh, Mexican national team players, uh, Mexican club players. And back in 2007, I pitched a story. I wanted to learn more about Mexican club soccer because I didn't know very much. And I did a tour of games, visiting Mexican stadiums and going to Mexican league games. And the first game that I went to was in Monterey, uh, where you went to college and uh, you met up with me there with a couple of our friends. And it was just a tremendous soccer experience to learn about things on the ground there about the Mexican league and the culture and uh, just 
totally enjoyed it. Uh, that story is up, I think, somewhere, I hope, in English and Spanish online. Um, but what do you remember from that experience? Because uh, I really enjoyed it. What, uh, what did you have us do? I, 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 it, that's a, that's a, a life highlight, honestly. It was such a fun trip um, for, for a number of reasons. One, I think it was the first time that we met in person. And then, you know, we also met, or you know, my friend Mario and me, we met your friend JC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we were emailing, you were talking about how JC was um, uh, a Marine. Uh, and, and it's funny, you know, just back then, I, I had a picture of him as this like super you know, straight-laced, crew-cut guy, <laughs> shirt tucked in, no BS. And, uh, you know, when, when we met, you know, next to you, this hippie, long hair, hippie walking with you and just totally <laughs> cool. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun because, you know, we, 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 uh, we went out to have a few beers and well, you, you didn't, I remember you didn't drink because you were on duty. Um, and, uh, and we just talked and we realized that we had a lot in common. We kind of grew up in the same, you know, we're all roughly the same age listen to the same bands. And it was just a lot of fun. It really was like kind of four buddies just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just going to the game was a great experience. I mean, I went to college in, in Monterrey and uh, my friend Mario and I went to college together. So we would go to Monterrey games a lot because back then, you know, the, uh, Monterrey didn't play in, in the new stadium where they play today. They played in the stadium of my university, uh, mm-hmm. the Monterrey. Uh, and students would get a discount to go to games. Um, and uh, it, it was really throughout those years that I became a huge fan of of, um, of the Mexican League. I mean, I, I grew up uh, kind of following other sports, you know, um, you know, just where, where I grew up, you 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 kind of followed uh, NBA and baseball a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really when I when I moved to Monterrey, which is a soccer crazed city, that I just totally uh, dived into the sport and, and going back to, 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 to my university, going back to watch a game was just a lot of fun. Nice. I, I remember so much about that trip. It was the first stop and eventually we went on to, uh, to see games uh, in Guadalajara. We saw Chivas against Atlas, the local derby. Um, we well, I was went- reading, I was reading the, the, I was actually reading the article last night because yeah. I knew we were going to be talking. Um, uh, and yeah, you know, I have it here in my, in my office and I was reading it and I didn't remember that you actually got to meet Tubo Gomez, who was the, you know, the legendary goalkeeper from back in the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, no, nah, man, it was uh, a really cool learning experience. Uh, just when you dive into a new culture like that and so many great memories, uh, we went to a game in Toluca, we went, uh, yeah to a game in the Azteca, an America game. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, and we drove. Uh, we didn't, we flew into Monterey. We then flew to Puerto Vallarta, spent a couple days there. And then we drove from Puerto Vallarta to Guadalajara to Mexico City. I don't know if I would do the drive now, but uh, <laughs> but then we did. And, uh, and it was it was really cool. Um, and I also remember in Monterey just the the eating experiences. I did drink something though. I, I had a I think it was a banderita. Is that what that was? Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. We did we did drink banderitas. That's a a, a very traditional Mexican way to drink tequila. You have your your lime juice and your um, viuda, which I'm not sure what the what the word in English is. Just kind of like a, this, um, uh, just like a chaser, and then mm-hmm. the tequila. And it's called banderita because banderita means means little flag. So mm-hmm. you have all the colors of the Mexican flag. 
Well, part of the, the reason for doing this podcast is I know I have some listeners who may follow the Mexican League regularly and Mexican soccer regularly, but I also have some others who may not, but may be curious and want to learn more. And the timing is good, I think, to have this conversation. The Mexican League final is set, Club America against Tigres. We're having to wait a little while while America is uh, at the Club World Cup, but um Tell me a little bit about just this final right now uh, and, and what you're thinking about. Obviously, you're a Chivas fan, and so America being in the final is probably not a good development for you. I mean, I don't know what game you're talking about. You know, Liga MX stopped existing after Chivas got knocked out of the playoffs, so <laughs> I don't know what this game is that you speak of. Um, look, uh, you know, these are these are two clubs that have had a lot of success in, in recent years. You know, whatever it is they're doing, they're doing it right. They're no, they know what they're doing. Um, in, in, um, you know, they're both, they're both spent, they both spend, you know, they're big spenders. Um, they both have some, some, some great players. Um, you know, Tigres with, uh, with Guignac. Uh, I think Guignac is probably one of the best signings in, in recent history might, you know, might go down as, as one of the best signings in Liga MX ever. I mean, just mm-hmm. such a great player. Um, and, uh, and also Tigres have shown a lot of, a lot of patience and a lot of consistency having, uh, you know, one of my favorite coaches of all time, Tuca Ferretti at the helm now for, it's probably going to be, I want to say six, seven years now that he's been up there. I mean, that is, that is just astonishing for, for Liga MX where you have just a revolving door of coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's, you, you, you kind of always have this, uh, um, internal guessing game going on at the start of the season to see which uh, what week will you see the first coach being fired? So, you know, seeing a coach like Tuca there for six, seven years, and he hasn't had success uh, all those years. I mean, he's been successful. They've won two, two titles under him. I think, I think they played a, another final and they lost one uh, under him. So they've had a lot of success, but they've, they've also had, you know, some not as successful years and they've stuck with him and um, it certainly paid off. It certainly paid off. So I'm a, uh, I, I think it'll be a, an exciting game. Obviously, you know, me being a Chivas fan, um, I, I, I hope that Tigres win, not only because, you know, I, I dislike America, but also just because I have a soft spot for the Monterrey clubs, you know, having lived there for a few years. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, and also, I'm a huge, huge Tuca fan. I mean, he was, he, he was um, uh, coaching Chivas back in the 90s, won a title with them. Um, but... My expectation, just looking at the way that 2016 has gone and just the fact that evil is winning everywhere, I think that means that America is going to lift the trophy again. <laughs> so what have been some of the, the big storylines this past season in the Mexican League? What do people, what have they been talking about a lot? Um, I think a big topic of conversation recently has been um, the Mexican clubs not no longer playing in the Copa Libertadores. Mm-hmm. Which is it's just kind of a shame. Um, I mean, there's there's there was all, there were all these scheduling problems uh, where neither Conmebol nor the Mexican Soccer Federation agreed on on dates um, and and basically said, okay, you know, we'll we'll just we won't play in 2016. I think there's a chance that they might return in 2017. Um, it, it's good for Conmebol to have Mexican clubs in the tournament. It's just a ton of eyeballs, not just in Mexico, but just the huge amount of fans in the U.S. that follow Copa Libertadores when, Mexi- when Mexican clubs are playing. 
Um, so it's it's kind of a shame, to be honest. Uh, you know, they're talking about replacing it with a League IMX uh, MLS type of competition. Uh, I think that would be fun, but I think most Mexican fans probably perceive that as kind of a downgrade from playing in Libertadores. Mm-hmm. That that's been a pretty big topic recently. Um, you know, th- th- there was a time where where Mexican clubs were playing in both Libertadores and and also Copa Sudamericana. In fact, you know, Pachuca won Copa Sudamericana a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Libertadores was really kind of like that last club tournament where the Mexican clubs had kind of a chance to really test themselves against South American competition. I mean, I guess I'm surprised in the sense that one of the golden rules I found covering this sport is that things that make people a lot of money tend to continue and people don't tend to pull away from things that make you a lot of money. And Libertadores, there was a lot of money involved for Mexican clubs and there was so much television attention when Mexican clubs are in it. I, I'm sort of stunned that this has happened. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, that was a big part of it. Um, you know, the, the, the reason that, that they gave is, is timing and scheduling. Um, you know, but if you talk to some of the people that are more plugged in, at the end of the day, I'm sure it came to some kind of revenue sharing agreement where both mm-hmm. sides can agree on. Okay. Um, let's pull back for one second here. What's your story? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Why are you a Chivas fan? Uh, yeah, um, great. So let's get some some background music here. You know, let's get all <laughs> sentimental and uh, let's talk about who is Pedro. So I was, um, I, I, I'm from a town in the north of Mexico, the state of Baja, California, which is the southern neighbor to the U.S. version of California, mm-hmm. uh, which is like California, uh, except uh, uh, streets in really bad quality. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a town called Mexicali, which is right on the border. And it's known for a couple of things. One is uh, great Chinese food, and I'm not making that up. It's just huh. le- it's legendary for the quality of its Chinese food, and there's a whole story behind that. But if you're ever in that in that area, it's it's definitely something to try. And and just uh, ungodly hot weather. I, mean, okay. I grew up in, uh, in 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 temperatures of in summers of uh, average of 110, 115 degrees. I remember one summer it got up to 125. It's just Dang. off. I, I have no idea why people ever settled there. It was in the middle of the desert. There's no water. It's on top of the San Andreas Fault. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so that's where I'm from. Um, now, if you, for most people growing up in Baja, and things might have changed now. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I grew up a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, but back then, growing up in Baja, you were kind of, you, you followed the U.S. sports more than, Mexican soccer, just because you were so close to the border. So I grew up a huge Lakers fan. Okay, uh, and I, you know, and I, and I got to to watch, you know, the Showtime Lakers with Magic and Kareem and James Worthy. Huge fan of the, of the Lakers back then. Uh, you know, I, I grew up watching, you know, Joe Montana and the Forty ers uh, Not a bandwagon fan at all. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of what I grew up. But then in 1986, when the World Cup was hosted in Mexico. That's when I really started kind of um, getting a little bit interested in the sport. My, my dad, uh, he's from Guadalajara. He's from Jalisco. Okay. Um, and, and he grew up in Guadalajara and he grew up a Chivas fan. And, and you know, you, you kind of inherit those club loyalties. Okay. But at that point, it was just kind of one of those things where, yeah, I'm a Chivas fan, but just kind of like, I just kind of said it, not really. 
But then when I got to see the World Cup, and specifically, I got to see Maradona in that game against England. Yeah. And I remember that vividly. I had a, a little TV in my bedroom, and, and my mom was there with me. And I just, I just became so captivated by, by the game and by the player. Uh, and Maradona became a favorite player of mine for, for many, many years. And that's when I really started getting more interested in it. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to uh, Monterrey for college, um, I've said this before. Um, you know, people can debate this with me if they want to. But I've lived in I lived in Monterrey for about four and a half years. There is no other city in Mexico as crazy about soccer as Monterrey. It's just huh. the best atmosphere, uh, bar none. Wow. And uh, and you've got you know two uh, teams that that are a lot of fun to watch. That got a great rivalry. Uh, it's impossible to live in Monterrey and not become just um, uh, uh, j- just soak all that that craziness in. So I became a huge fan when I was there. We would go to a lot of games. Um, you know, during that time, Chivas won a, a title with with Tuca, uh, and that's really when I became really crazy about the sport. And 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 uh, and uh, and I've been I've been a fan ever since. And. As a Chivas fan, how do you feel about Chivas owner Jorge Vergara? <laughs> uh, you know what? He for a long time, uh, for anybody that follows the NFL, um, he's he was like the Dan Snyder owner of the Washington Redskins <laughs> of the Mexican League. Just a guy that really meddles and 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 uh, you know gets his hands where he shouldn't. Um, and and he fired coaches just all the time. Really good coaches. Um, he's, he's a, he, I think he's somebody that, that genuinely wants to win, but can't help himself and just needs to insert himself into the, into, into, um, uh, soccer matters. And, and he just, he just should kind of sit back, trust the people that he hired and, and let them do their jobs. Um, now they've hired this new coach, Matias Almeida, who mm. is, is from Argentina. He played in. River Plate, he played in Europe. I think he was coaching uh, second division before coming to Chivas. Um, and he's been really, really good. Uh, it's, it's clear that the team likes playing for him. They're really motivated. They started playing very you know, attractive soccer. I know that's a very subjective term. Um, un- under Almeida. And, and it sounds like Vergara is just being very patient. Uh, and, and, and that's a good thing. Now, mm-hmm. The, the the trouble is that if they if they go into if they go through a rough patch, you never know if Vergara's going to have the patience to kind of see th- see it through, or right. he's just going to pull the trigger and and find somebody else. He's he's done it before. So, uh, but right now, I mean, it, it's 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 exciting. You know, it's it's a second consecutive season that they got into the in, into the Liguilla, into the playoffs. Uh, it's exciting. It's a fun team to watch. Which you can say that about Chivas. You know, a few years ago. So uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy and encouraged. Some of our listeners here may follow Mexican so- soccer regularly. Many may not, but may be curious and want to know more. Uh, explain to them why it might be fun for them to follow the Mexican League. What's your sales pitch? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, Bofo Bautista doesn't play anymore, so that's a big, big uh, disadvantage. <laughs> uh, greatest player of all time. Uh, no, so number one, um, it's uh, it's it's readily available. I mean, it's very easy to watch Liga MX uh, in the U.S. You know, without any special uh, you know cable package or sports package. 
Um, you know, I know that it's it's fairly easy to to watch a lot of leagues uh, around the world now in the U.S. But Liga MX probably the easiest to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's a watching a Liga MX game if you've never seen a game broadcast in Spanish, it's very very different than watching an MLS game. And and you know no no uh, no criticism of of MLS commentators or announcers. It's just the style is is a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember that that Simpsons episode. Uh, where the three soccer players are kicking the ball around in a triangle, and and they show the uh, the the American the, the American commentator just kind of very in a very dry way describe it, and then they show the South American commentator just go nuts about the fact that they're <laughs> passing the ball back and forth. That's kind of what it is. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of uh, of double entendres, and and when when they're talking, it's just it's just fun to watch. Uh, and also, I think it's a good league. I think it's a really, I, I think it's a really good quality league. These are clubs uh, that have competed uh, at very high levels uh, in, in South America, that have gotten to Copa Libertadores finals, uh, that uh, you know tend to dominate uh, regional competitions. Um, and, and and every club or most clubs kind of have their own identity too. So there's always something you can latch on to. You know. If, if you like the story of Chivas, the fact that they only play Mexican players and that's kind of their tradition mm-hmm. and they're seen as sort of the people's club, maybe you latch onto that. If you're more of a like a Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, Galactic Empire type of fan, then you want Club America. You know, if, if you don't want to follow the, the most popular teams because you don't want to be a bandwagon fan, you've got, you know, the teams and clubs in Monterrey, Santos, Pachuca, Toluca that, that just play great soccer and and then finally, the other thing about it is you get to see some really good South American talent. Um, mm-hmm. Liga MX tends to be a, a place where players from South America will come and, uh, and, and some of them will just be really, really great players. Uh, some will go over to Europe after playing in Liga MX. Uh, some will just stay here for a long time, like you've seen with, uh, uh, um, well, I was going to say Guignac, but he actually came from Europe, not South America. Um, so all in all, I think it's, I think you should definitely give it a shot. If you've never seen it, it's, it's a really fun league to watch. Um, and, uh, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the final. Um, I think it's worth noting here that the television audiences in the United States for Mexican league soccer games are basically the highest for any league in the world, uh, higher than the premier league, higher than champions league, certainly higher than MLS, um, and the finals should get a big number, I would think, from a television audience perspective in the U.S., especially with Club America being involved uh, over these two legs. One question I have for you is, uh, you see lower-seeded teams win the Mexican playoff championship all the time. Does it bother people who follow the Mexican League as much as it bothers people who follow MLS when that happens? Um, it, it depends on who you ask. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it used to bother me more. Now, you know, I don't really have that big of a problem with the playoff system. That's going to happen when you have playoffs. Right. Uh, it happens here with the American sports. You know, uh, how often does the top seed a team win the, uh, with the, the NCAA tournament or, or, or the Super Bowl? Um, it's, it's just, it just comes, it's just the, 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 the nature of the beast. Uh, some, the, the, the top seed a team not all will not always win the championship, and and I'm 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 okay with that. There are a lot of people though that would prefer just kind of like a de- deciding the champion using a straight table. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's pros and cons to that. I don't have that big of a problem with the playoffs. My bigger problem though is the short seasons. 
I hate them. Hmm. Uh, you know, we, we went from in the early to mid 90s, I think we went from one long season to two six month seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awful because you're camping for, for, for a semester. <laughs> it, it, in my mind, it really cheapens the, the, the value of the championship. It's like uh, Club America now have 12 titles. Yeah, but you know, how many of them are short seasons? You know, versus, right. A full year long season, so I'm not a big fan of that. If if I were to change anything about Mexican soccer, it would be the uh, well. There's a lot of things, but that that would be the the number one thing. Just going back to the longer season. Okay, who do you are the most fascinating, funny, or ridiculous characters in the Mexican soccer landscape? No, oh, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I would start with the coaches. Yeah. Uh, for me, number one is uh, Tuca. Uh, Tuca Ferretti, that guy is just such a character. If if you've never seen Tuca in action, um, I, I encourage you. In fact, I implore you to go to YouTube and search for Tuca angry or in, in Spanish, Tuca enojado. And you're going to see this uh, video of this 61-year-old coach chewing uh, uh, his, 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 his team out because they're not um, doing a drill during practice the way he wants them to. And the whole idea is that you cross a ball and then the player that's running towards the cross has to strike it before it hits the ground. Hmm. And they're just not getting it right. And Duca just gets so pissed off. Just, uh. He just loses it completely. And, and he's so angry and he does the drill and he nails it. I mean, the 61-year-old guy just absolutely nails the kick. And, and then it's like a drop-the-mic moment where he just kind of walks walks away because he doesn't want to have anything to do with the, that bunch of losers in his team. It is amazing. And, and, and it's not the only one. There's other, there's other videos of Tuca just getting mad at the press. He's, he's a character. I mean, he's been around Mexican soccer for a while. He's from Brazil. He, played at, he was champion with Pumas. Uh, I, I, you know, he rubs some people the wrong way, but he's just so entertaining. Um, another one is, is Piojo. You know, uh, yeah. I think Piojo, Miguel Herrera became well known to U.S. soccer fans uh, when he coached Mexico. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's a he's a coach in the Mexico. In fact, I think I think Piojo was coaching Monterrey when we went down there to, to watch that game. Oh, OK. I wish I'd known uh, that at the time. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, Piojo was actually the coach when we watched them play against Atlas back then. Okay. Uh, you know, I think most people are familiar with. He's very exuberant. You see all those uh, all those uh, gifs online of, of of Piojo just going crazy after um, after uh, a goal. Uh, he likes punching journalists <laughs> in the face, which is great, uh, right? <laughs> well, that guy deserved it. Uh, but uh, and don't get me. St- and then that's the other one. There's a, there's a lot of uh, colorful characters in the press. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's, this, this is one thing that irritates me, the, the, the way that the, the Mexican press covers soccer. And, and that's a whole other area that, you know, we, we can get into it if you want. Well, let's get into it. I, I was going to ask you like the media landscape covering Mexican soccer, who are your go-to people for information? Who entertains you? Who annoys you? Okay. All right. Um, so I, I could spend a lot of time talking about this. So the, the who my go tos, interestingly enough, most of them are not Mexican journalists. Huh. Um, you know, Tom Marshall the, from from ESPN. Yeah. I think, uh, Mexico World Cup. 
Uh, he does a great job covering uh, the, uh, the the league. You know, he's he's very impartial. He's you know he's all about the facts. You know, he, he, he you know, uh, publishes his. He tells you who his sources are. Mm-hmm. He's he's what you expect a journalist to be. Uh, and you know, he brings an outsider's perspective, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and you know, there's other people that are that are that didn't necessarily grow up uh, following uh, League IMX that I think do a really good job. Um, covering it, hmm. um, then you have the 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 local press, which has become kind of like very gossipy and all about scandals. And and there are there are some exceptions to be fair. Like there's a guy from Guadalajara called Emilio Fernando Alonso, who's a great journalist, and I really respect him a lot. Roberto Gomez Junco, I think, is also one of the good guys. Um, and I'm I'm going to drop some names, Grant. So you know if I uh, uh, put you in trouble with some people. I apologize. Scorched uh, Earth coming. Yeah. <laughs> then you know you you have you have a um, th- then you have kind of like the TMZ type crowd, mm-hmm. where it's less about reporting on the game or analyzing the play and more about the the hot takes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and you know I know that you're affiliated with with Fox Sports, you know. <laughs> You watch like you watch like Fox Sports Deportes, uh, mm-hmm. and there's this show called um, uh, La Última Palabra, mm-hmm. the last word. And uh, after um, after the Mexico beat the U.S. the most recent qualifier, um, there's the the host of the show uh, asking the panel, "Is Mexico the giant in Concacaf once again?" And, you know, he's got this very bombastic Rush, Rush Limbaugh type delivery. And, and, and that's a very nuanced answer, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, it's one game. You know, why don't you chill out? Let's see. And, and, he, and, and he interrupts them and says, no, yes or no, yes or no. And, and, and it's the kind of thing that just makes me want to throw my TV out the window. <laughs> uh, and they're not the only ones. You know, you see that in Football Picante. Again, it's, it's kind of like this embrace debate culture in the right. U.S. that it's also invaded Mexico. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's irritating to watch where, where when I would rather just have them have a, 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 a complicated, complex discussion, nuanced discussion, analyze the game, and you know, more, uh, more of that and less of the TMZ type approach. I hear you on that. It obviously is not limited to Mexico. It's sort of everywhere at this point. I did find it interesting when I sat down for my first long interview earlier this year with Chicharito Hernandez, and we talked very specifically about how he plays the forward position. And we talked for about 40 minutes. And at the end of it, he said, I really enjoyed that interview. The implication being that he doesn't enjoy many interviews is is that because he doesn't end up being t- asked about soccer all the time? You know that's that's very revealing, and and I read that article that you wrote, and and I can see why because you were writing things about his approach and about how he evades defenders, how he finds that split second to get enough space to get ahead of his defender and get to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of fans. Well, I'm talking for myself that I want to read about, that I want to hear about, because that's interesting to me. You, know, I, I, you, don't, you don't ever read that anywhere else where, where you, you get into the player's head and understand how they think about the game. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence after you saying that, that Chicharito kind of uh, uh, started um, uh, avoiding the Mexican press recently. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, which is, by the way, a cardinal sin in Mexico. Like, if if a player ever even ever avoids the the press purposely, they they get they get crucified. Huh. It's like he's a snob. You know, he forgets where he came from. No humility. So arrogant. Uh, and but there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's 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 not just fans like me that get irritated. It's also the players. Well, I'm sort of fascinated by there's times like when the Mexican national team players all agree not to talk to the media, the Mexican media, and then immediately after the 7-0 loss to Chile this past summer, all of them spoke to the Mexican media. What's going on there? What's what's happening? That's 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 you know, that's interesting. Um, And and not to not to blindly defend the players, you know, you know, uh, celebrity athletes can be divas every now and then. And that's no exception in in, in Mexican soccer, especially at the national team level. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that was uh, Juan Carlos Osorio's influence uh, of, you know, just uh, uh, face the press after a a defeat like that. Mm -hmm. If it was, then huge kudos to uh, Osorio. It it could not have been easy, but, uh, but I'm glad that they did that. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing to do. Speaking of Juan Carlos Osorio, you were the first guest to talk on the podcast about Mexican soccer since Juan Carlos Osorio uh, back in November. Uh, who I really enjoyed interviewing, but I wanted to get your take on Osorio's job that he's done so far with the Mexican national team and, and what you think of him. I'm, I'm in the tank. I am, <laughs> I am team Osorio. Uh, and, and I, and I've gotten, I, I've gotten into it with people on Twitter, uh, you know, who want to get rid of him, especially after that defeat against Chile. And here's why, when he first was announced, I honestly didn't know a lot about him other than I think he had, he had a really brief stint at Puebla and then he didn't do very well in MLS. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, you know, I know he had success in, in, in South America, but that was about it. And, and I was like, who is this guy? You know, is, is this really the best we could have done? Um, but I I I uh, perceive Osorio as a an extremely dedicated coach. Um, whether or not you know he he knows how to motivate players, he knows how to uh, put them in the right place. I mean that's for somebody who knows soccer way, way better than I do for, to to say. But I can tell that he's a very dedicated guy that studies the game very closely. Uh, uh, he is very thoughtful about it. His interviews are just a, a joy to hear, very much in the style of Marcelo Bielsa. If you've ever heard Marcelo Bielsa being interviewed, mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's like you, you, you don't want the guy to stop talking. Hey. Uh, you know, it's 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 like the, the it's like Bizarro, um, uh, Bill Belichick, <laughs> um, and and, uh, and and Osorio has 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 uh, some of that style, some of that approach. He 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 he's very straight. He's very straightforward, but he's very insightful. Now, I, there used to be a time where I was very romantic about soccer and I wanted to see beautiful soccer. And, and if, and if, and if, and winning doesn't matter if you don't play beautifully, <laughs> whatever, I'm, I'm in my forties now. I just want more trophies. Um, I, I want results and, and, and Osorio has delivered them. Uh, he's, he's got one big blemish, which is the seven zero loss against Chile. And that was embarrassing and it was a disaster. And, and I just could not believe what I was watching uh, and, but, but, but it's one game. It happens. You know, the, the team got embarrassed. Uh, other than that, they've been very successful. They, they, they beat the U S uh, in the U S after many, many years of not doing so. Right. And I think people would agree that it was a well-deserved victory. 
Um, he, the, the team is playing, I, again, subjectively, high-quality soccer. Uh, they are, they are you know, well on their way to qualifying for the World Cup if things continue like this without much problems. So uh, I'm I'm an Osorio fan, and I will uh, defend him you know, uh, to, to people that want to get rid of him. So you mentioned that victory by Mexico over the U.S. in Columbus, first time Mexico had ever beaten the U.S. in Columbus after so many two-zero losses. What were you doing during that game? Uh, so uh, fist pumping and you know running around and streaking across my uh, <laughs> through my neighborhood. Uh, I was watching the game here at home. Um, I was, uh, very, very excited. And, and the game, you, you always, you always go in, uh, uh, into those U S Mexico games as a Mexican fan with trepidation. Maybe, maybe it's the same thing for us fans. Mm-hmm. Um, on paper, I think, I, I think it would be hard to argue that Mexican Mexico, uh, came in with, with more talent, uh, you know, more players in Europe, um, but these these games tend to not go the way that you expect them to go on paper. So Mexico opened the scoring, and that's great. You know you're excited, but you're kind of feel, you know you're kind of wondering you know maybe they should be two or three goals up by now. Second half, you know Bobby Wood, who by the way I think is a really solid player, yeah, uh, uh, scores the the, the 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 equalizer, and then at that point you're like yeah typical. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Figures, whatever, it's going to end. Um, and then the unexpected, you know, uh, 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 from 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 the f- f- dying in the dying minutes, you know, senior citizen Rafa Marquez scores a fantastic header to win it. Of all people, Rafa Marquez, right? Who was you know, he's he's been he's been with the team back since two thousand two, where he uh, el- when he elbowed Kobe Jones. Right. Uh, what a what a fitting player to to, to end it that way. Uh, I was ecstatic. I mean, I was I, I was just so so excited. It was a, it was a lot of fun, uh, and uh, happy that we came out on the winning side. So, you're married. You've got a family. You've got kids. Are your kids Mexico fans? <laughs> so uh, they've uh, they've uh, grown up to support both the U.S. and Mexico. Um, and you know, I've got a couple of girls, so they're huge uh, U.S. women's national team fans. We actually got to see. A World Cup game in person last year. We went to Montreal to watch that very exciting semifinal against Germany. Nice. Um, that was an awesome game to watch. Uh, and we, you know, we cheer on the on the U.S. men's team too. But when they're playing Mexico, they know that that's the exception. They know that that's, <laughs> they, they know that that's when Daddy's cheering for uh, for the guys in green. So, question for you: Like when I hear the term Mexican soccer mentality, all sorts of things pop into my head. Um, but what pops into your head? What, what, how do you describe the Mexican soccer mentality? I think it depends on whether you're referring to the, the players or the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, I think the, the mentality of the players was, um, well, th- there, was, there was a phrase that was used called ratoncitos verdes, which means little green mice. Hmm. And, and and basically that meant that they would cower in the big moments, right? Because, you know, in the in, in the 60s, 70s, uh, they didn't really have a lot of success mm-hmm. uh, on, on the national stage. I think that started to change maybe in the 90s uh, after they got banned from the 1990 World Cup. Mm-hmm. They started having more success. No, they still haven't uh, broken through that um, uh, second round game. 
Right. But they reach the second round consistently. They get out of their group consistently. Uh, they definitely threaten to get there. Uh, and uh, and as far as I'm concerned, that mentality doesn't really exist with the players as much as people think it does anymore. Okay. You've got all these players that are that are playing in Europe now. They've they've, they've had success in Europe uh, against you know the, the highest level of competition. Uh, you know I don't think that those guys are are ratoncitos verdes anymore. Mm. Um, some, sometimes you, you you lose games and it just happens. But now on the fan side, that's really interesting. M- Mexico is is extremely passionate about its soccer and and you mentioned the tv ratings earlier that's i mean that's the clearest sign right um the mexican fans are very very passionate and and i would say as passionate as the most you know uh crazy fans you can think of in south america brazil argentina the one difference being those countries have had great success and and mexico hasn't so there's, there's, I guess, less justification in my mind in Mexico for fans to expect um, great things from from their team uh, when historically they haven't really accomplished it. Now, we hope that they'll break through, but I sometimes think that the level of expectations does not fit the reality. Huh. Um, uh, still, I mean, it's, 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 it's better to be that passionate than not, not be passionate. It's, it's fun to be to follow a, a, a team where the country just, you know, follows it very closely and you've got all this coverage. Uh, that's more fun, I think. A couple more questions here with my friend Pedro Arellano. You can find him on Twitter at Pedro Arellano, A-R-E-L-L-A-N-O. I love your Twitter persona. You make me laugh a lot. Uh, I'm not saying that just because you're a friend of mine, but you also... Have uh, you like to poke fun uh, sometimes uh, at even at yourself at Mexican soccer? What are some of the things you like to poke fun at the most? Uh, the absurdity of it. Uh, I mean, at the end of the game, and and maybe this is just you know me being a jaded and cynical you know, forty you know forty plus year old. Um, at the end of the day, it's a game, <laughs> and 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 I get into it. I'm as passionate about it as anybody. Uh, but uh, you know, when when people start, uh, you know, saying that you're, you're a traitor to your country, or uh, as, and I'm, I'm going to talk about reporters again. Uh, when, when you have somebody like David Feitelson, who I call the 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 um, uh, the Skip Bayless of the Mexican <laughs> soccer press, uh, you know, just going out there and just this 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 uber passionate rant about how embarrassing it is and. And, 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 and how they should get rid of everybody. You're like, you know, I think that's a little bit too much. Those are the things I poke fun of. Yeah. Um, you have somebody like Carlos Albert who does these you know, two-minute videos and he's screaming all the time. He's like the, the, the angry man yells at cloud uh, uh, guy <laughs> of, of the press. That's, that's what I poke fun of. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Fair enough. What gives you the most excitement, I guess, when you are looking forward to things in Mexican soccer? Is there a particular young player? Is it the idea of getting farther in the World Cup? What what gets you excited? Uh, you mean from, from the national team perspective? Whether it's national team, club, all that stuff. So from a national team perspective, I, I think we've got some great players, mm-hmm. um, just a really, really solid core of players. Obviously, you've got you know the, the well-known ones, Chicharito, uh, and then the, the 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 Porto trio is doing some really great things. Guardado, 
who, by the way, we got to see also. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Guardado was playing in that game in Monterrey. I do. He was a young emerging guy then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we've got a good core, but but it's very exciting to see some of the younger players coming through the ranks. Uh, you've got people like Jurgen Damm. You've got people like uh, Irving Lozano. And then particularly Jesus Tecatito Corona. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of the things that that guy is doing at Porto and some of the goals that he scored yeah. for Porto and also for Mexico. That guy is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and seeing that talent come up through the ranks is really encouraging, you know, because uh, I think that we've got some, some great players who are now considered veterans um, and, and, and then you've got some really talented younger guys coming up. So that's very exciting. I also think we have, a, and just maybe this just me. I think we've got a really good coach at the helm. I'm, I'm an Osorio guy, and I think I think he's he's doing a good job. Um, and uh, I could say the same thing about about Chivas. I'm really excited about Almeida. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's uh, he's coaching the team. So uh, from 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 a from at the national level and at the club level for me, uh, there's a lot of things to be encouraged about right now. So the Mexican final is a two-legged affair, December 22nd and 25th, and uh, I'm going to be watching. I hope listeners uh, enjoyed this, maybe learned a little bit about the Mexican league and Mexican soccer culture that they didn't know before. Pedro Ariano, thank you for speaking to the podcast. My pleasure. There's a lot of fun, Grant. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Pedro Ariano as well as everyone at Digital Media and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Thanks also to our sponsor, Mac Weldon. If you enjoyed this episode, there are other great new and archived episodes you can check out, including my recent interviews with Bruce Arena, Juan Carlos Osorio, Thomas Mueller, and Gary Lineker. You can subscribe to and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.